Thank you, Pastor Perez. Thank you so much for opening up your pulpit to us. Praise the Lord, everybody. Amen. I want to thank you for allowing us, amen, to come and preach, amen, behind this pulpit. It's an honor, privilege for us. Amen. You may be seated for just a minute here. We're just so thankful to the Lord because God has been so good to us. Amen. Words cannot begin to describe the greatness of our God. I begin to think about God and there's just no describing Him. God has been so good to us, to this church. I just want to say that it's a privilege for us to be here. Thank you for invitation, Pastor, for allowing us to come and be part of this revival, allowing me to stand behind your pulpit. Amen, Pastor Perez, his wife, Sister Veronica, their children, uh, doing a tremendous job here in this local church. I want to commend them for that. I want to thank them for the work that they do, and God is going to bless them, continue to bless them. Also, want to thank this church for their hospitality, their open arms, and the way they've treated us, their hospitality, and beautiful hotel room, and the basket that was there in the room, and also Brother Eli, Sister Maria, for hosting us and just being good friends to us. Yesterday, after the service, they took us up, and they took us up to the cross. I thought they were going to take me off, throw me off the hill there, Amen. Had me kind of scared. Amen. But amen showed us the sights of the city, and we just appreciate them. The good friends that we have here in this church. We just appreciate you so much. Amen. You know, this is our final day of this revival for this church. I tell the church back home that some people have the wrong definition of what revival is. You know, some folk think revival is when the preacher gets to town and after the preacher leaves, revival's over. But revival has nothing to do with the preacher. Revival's all about me, what I get out of it. How many have been revived in this revival? Amen. I appreciate the men of vision that God has given to this church for this day and hour. And we have such a responsibility. I feel the presence of God in this place. And what I feel to preach this afternoon is something that one might not expect from an evangelist, especially for the closing message of a revival. But if revival is going to exist, if his revival is going to tarry in this place, it's going to be through the obedience of God's word. I think for some time we've, we apostolics have gotten the, the idea that just because we preach Jesus' name, that we've got a monopoly on the Holy Ghost, the Spirit of God. But it was a psalmist David that said, For thou hast magnified thy name, or thy word above, thy name. It's more than just being 
oneness and being apostolic. There's more to it than just meets the eye. God requires of us obedience. Obedience to his word. And if you will allow me for just a little bit this afternoon, I want to open up my heart and preach to you something maybe that you aren't expecting here, but I feel so led of God to preach. I'm going to ask you to... As you stand with me for one last time, the book of Matthew, the 16th chapter. This is a great church. I really believe it is, and I'm not just saying that. But you can't build a church on good people. You cannot build a church on good singing, good preaching, good programs. And all of these are are important, and they're good to have, and you have it here. This church is so blessed. But a great church for the kingdom of God is built on Christ. Amen. On the law of order that God gives. And that's what I want to speak to you about here this afternoon. Matthew, the 16th chapter, verses 13 through 19. A very familiar portion of scripture. The Bible says, when Jesus came into the coast of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, Whom do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? And they said, Some say that thou art John the Baptist, some Elias, and others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. And he saith unto them, But whom say ye that I am? And Simon Peter answered and said, Thou art the Christ the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Blessed are thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. And I say unto thee that thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. But I want to draw your attention to verse 19, and that's what I want to take my message from today which says and I will give unto thee the keys of the kingdom of heaven and whatsoever thou shalt bind on earth shall be bound in heaven and whatsoever thou shalt loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven let's bow our heads Jesus we feel your presence in this place We are careful, God, to speak under your anointing this afternoon. I ask you right now, Lord, to open the hearts of every individual that's here, God. Speak to our hearts. Speak to our souls, God. Move in this place that revival might tarry in your house. We bless you, God, and we thank you, Jesus. And the church said, Amen. You may be seated this afternoon. There is much debate in the world today concerning God. Many believe that God is one of three persons that make up the Trinity. God being the Father, Jesus being the Son, and the Holy Ghost being a different person all in himself. But according to the word of God, and we've read it to you tonight, 
There is only one God, and his name is Jesus. I like the way the Apostle Paul described the oneness of God. He says, and without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest in the flesh, justified in the spirit, seen of angels, preached unto the Gentiles, believed on in the world, and received up into glory. Paul goes on to tell us it, for in him, talking about Jesus, dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. In other words, there is only one God. The scriptures are so precise and they reveal to us that there is only one God. But the question that has intrigued man throughout the ages, has baffled man, is the question, who is God? Now I believe that it's important that we understand that God is not the author of confusion. Although there's a lot of debate today that people say that God is a second person or there are three persons, amen, in the Godhead. And the Bible says that there's one God, amen. God is not the author of confusion, amen. If you look to God's word, there God reveals himself without question. Paul says, without controversy. There's no question about it, he said. God was manifest in the flesh, amen. Praise God. The God of the Old Testament became the God of the New Testament. And his name is Jesus Christ. Can you say praise the Lord? It was God's purpose to let the people know right off the bat. Amen. Bible says that very early on in the beginning of time, he made it very clear to Moses. When he instructed him to tell the people, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy might. See, it was God's purpose from the very beginning, amen, to let us know that there was one God and we should serve nobody else but him. And so I reemphasize, amen, the fact that there is only one God, amen, in this place. Amen. And he is a God of order. Praise God. Now, the Old Testament, God placed Adam in the garden. We spoke about that a little bit yesterday, where he gave man power and dominion. But even in the garden, there was a law of order that uh, made Adam accountable unto God. You see, God spoke to Adam and he told Adam that he was not to eat of that tree. And because if he did, the Bible says that God told him he would surely die. But Adam violated God's law of order. And when he did, the Bible says that uh, he took of the fruit and he fell into sin and it brought to him shame and, and separation from God. And it was there in the beginning that God established man to be the head of the woman, amen, because she was a weaker vessel. Now, don't look at me that way. It's in the Bible. Amen. Genesis 3.16 tells us, And thy desire shall be to thy husband, and he shall rule over thee. Very quiet. Amen. This is God's law of order. That's what we're talking about today. Understand that God has appointed the man to lead his home. He is the leader. But with leadership comes responsibility. 
Amen. Praise God. Now, when God established Israel as a people, he raised up a leader, a man by the name of Moses. Moses was called by God, amen, to lead God's people out of bondage into the wilderness. And while they were in the wilderness, he was responsible for drawing the people back to God because they would often drift away, amen. We know the story. God spoke to Moses. He gave him the Ten Commandments. He gave Moses the laws that they were to live by. You see, the people knew, amen, that, or, or God knew the people needed direction. He knew, amen, that, that without a leader, amen, they would drift off on their own. And so Moses was God's instrument that was used to lead God's people through the wilderness. Understand with me for a little bit here that it was not an easy task for Moses. You see, the children of Israel, amen, they lacked faith. They lacked direction, amen, and what they needed was a leader because they had a tendency of straying away from God. And so the last 40 years of Moses' life, the last 40 years of his life, amen, Moses pastored uh, Israel in the wilderness, amen, and he did so diligently until the day that he died. But after Moses died, the Bible says that God would raise another man who would be their leader, a man by the name of Joshua. Now Joshua will lead the people, amen, out of the wilderness into Canaan, the land of promise. Now Joshua did not only serve as Israel's uh, military leader, but he also served as their spiritual leader, amen. Joshua, in other words, was their pastor, as was Moses, amen. Uh, he was their leader, amen. Uh, you see, when the people would begin to stray away from God uh, or from the things of God, uh, Joshua's purpose was to draw them back to God. Uh, that was the purpose uh, of the leader, amen. Uh, now because of what we read about, out, uh, in the scripture, uh, the children of Israel, uh, we come to understand that they didn't realize it at the time, uh, but these men that were appointed of God, uh, they, they were their ticket out of captivity uh, and into uh, their promise. Uh, you see, they were a bunch of people uh, without direction. Uh, they were without a place to go, uh, without a land to call their own. Uh, and so God called himself a leader uh, to lead them out of captivity. Uh, and when Moses died, uh, the Bible says God raised up a Joshua to finish the job and lead the people into the land of Canaan. Because without a good leader, history records that people have a tendency of losing their direction. The Bible says that when Joshua died, Scripture tells us that there arose a generation after Joshua that knew not God or the things that God had done for Israel. We see here in the Scriptures that Israel becomes scattered. They don't know what to do anymore, amen. These people had no direction, amen, uh, no accountability. They were out without a word from God, uh, uh, amen. And the Bible tells us uh, that the people did what they saw that was right in their own eyes, amen. Uh, and they served other gods. They served Balaam. Uh, the point is that I'm trying to get across to you uh, is that uh, God has always intended for his people uh, to be led today, amen. Uh, that is why God gave to Israel 
Israel, uh, men like Moses and Joshua. And you can go down the line uh, and read about Judah and Caleb uh, and the prophets of old. Uh, and he would go on to give Israel kings. Uh, and we know that all of Israel's kings, uh, they weren't always godly individuals. Amen. Uh, not all of them were righteous. Uh, but nonetheless, uh, he gave to Israel leaders uh, to guide them uh, and to give them direction. They needed direction because as Jeremiah said, it is not in man to direct his own steps. You see, when we start doing things on our own and we start doing things by our own thinking, that's when we begin to fail. And we lose our place with God and we lose our direction. Amen. A wise man once said, a man's heart deviseth his ways, but the Lord directeth his steps. Amen. Solomon went on to say, there is a way that seemeth right unto the man, but at the end thereof are the ways of death. You see, it's not a man to direct your own steps. You can only go so far by yourself. We need direction. We need a leader, amen, uh, to stand before us uh, and give us direction. The prophet Jeremiah said, oh Lord, I know the ways of man is not in himself. He said, it's not in man that walketh to direct his own steps. The psalmist David said, the steps of a good man are ordered from the Lord and he delighteth in his ways. Not in his own ways, but in the ways of God. Amen. Uh, you see, these men understood that without a leader, uh, it's really hard to make it. Uh, and so we see throughout the Old Testament, uh, throughout the ages that God raised up men uh, to lead the people uh, through some dark and troublesome times. Uh, and it would be no different uh, in the New Testament. Uh, you see, when Jesus Christ came uh, in the New Testament uh, to establish his church, amen, uh, the Bible says, uh, that he saved, uh, gave uh, some apostles, uh, prophets, evangelists, uh, pastors, and teachers. Uh, and the scripture goes on to say, uh, for the perfecting of the saints, uh, for the work of the ministry, uh, and for the edifying uh, of the body of Christ. <laughs> Apostle Paul here is saying, the pastor, the ministry, is for, for our perfecting. It's for our spiritual edification so that we might receive the promise of eternal life. Now that being said, there are some folk, amen, there's a problem in the church that exists today. Uh, and that is that some people have an issue uh, with authority in the church. Uh, some people have an issue, a problem uh, with the pastor uh, and the leadership of the church. Amen. Uh, there are some folk uh, that despise sitting under uh, the direction of a pastor. Uh, they despise sitting under uh, a ministry. Amen. Uh, that requires uh, accountability uh, from its people. I'm going to preach it, amen. I've been called to preach the word of God, amen. Uh, and we're living in a generation uh, where we got some rebellious folk in the church, amen. Uh, some folk, amen, uh, that don't like to hear the truth. Uh, some folk, amen, uh, that say, Pastor, uh, I'm going to do what I want to do uh, when I want. Uh, 
God forgive you. I rebuke that spirit of division that has come up against the church of Almighty God. I come to preach today. I come to tell the truth. Hallelujah. People don't like to be accountable today. Amen. Got people. Amen. I'm a Christian. I go to church. What church you go to? Well, I go to church online. <laughs> Paul Crouch, Jan Crouch, they're my pastors. You know, we got some folk that believe in the apostolic doctrine. that got the revelation of the name of Jesus. That send their tithes and offerings to Jan and Paul Crouch. You know that? We got some folk, amen, praise God. I'm telling you like it is, amen. Uh, in our apostolic ranks, uh, they've been baptized in Jesus' name uh, because they don't want to be accountable. Uh, they get lost in a big church uh, that doesn't even preach the truth, amen. Uh, they don't want to be accountable uh, to the man of God, uh, but God has sent a man uh, to this church uh, for your spiritual edification. Uh, you ought to thank God uh, for a pastor uh, that preaches uh, and teaches uh, the word of almighty God. I heard somebody recently say that the reason they moved to a certain church is because they only have service on Sunday. And they were apostolic. They said apostolic on the front of their building, amen. Looking for an easy way out. Amen. We're living in a generation, amen, uh, where people are looking for the easy way, amen. Uh, and sometimes, uh, amen, uh, it tries to creep into the church. Uh, that spirit uh, that says, uh, 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 I don't have to live that way. Uh, if I want to, uh, I can go up the street uh, to another apostolic church, uh, and I can do this, uh, and I can do that. Uh, I rebuke that spirit uh, right now. Uh, I bind it uh, in the name of Jesus. Uh, there's a man that God has sent uh, to this place uh, to preach uh, the word of God uh, and you are so blessed uh, to be in a church uh, that preaches the unadulterated word of God some people say I don't think it's right that a man can be given so much authority amen that man, he's not my pastor. God is my pastor. Ah, how many have heard that before? Oh, God is my pastor. Sure he is. As if they could sit under God's authority. Uh, as if God was their pastor. Uh, I wonder what they would do if Jesus walked into their temple. Uh, and started slamming tables around. Uh, and kicking people out of church. Uh, because they were doing things that were not allowed. Uh, in the house of God. Uh, I wonder how uh, they would react. Amen. Uh, I wonder what those individuals would do. Uh, and what they would say. Uh, when God sent down plagues from heaven. Uh, because of people. Uh, they refused to listen uh, to his voice. Uh, I wonder. I wonder this afternoon uh, what the reaction would be, uh, amen, when God sent an earthquake uh, or a fire uh, or some act of God down uh, to attract uh, their attention. Uh, I wonder what their response would be. You see, 
throughout the ages, God has chosen man and singled them out to be his mouthpiece. Amen. When the Lord was about to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah by fire, it was a single man that withheld the wrath of God. Abraham, he stood before the presence of God. And he said, God, how can you destroy the righteous amongst the wicked? How can you do it? When the Lord was fed up with Israel, amen, it was Moses that stood before God and said, Lord, how can you destroy this people? What are the enemies of Israel going to say, amen, if you destroy your people? They're going to say, what kind of God are you that you cannot even bring them into the land of promise like you said you could do, amen. And it was Moses that held back the wrath of God from destroying the people. What are you saying, preacher? I'm telling you, you ought to thank God for the man of God that stands and stands in your stead uh, and intercedes on your behalf uh, for your salvation uh, and God does not bring destruction uh, upon your life you ought to thank God for the leadership of this church amen thank God for the pastor that God has given to you. Amen. You might not see it right now. But you're so blessed. That you have men that carry enough for you. To get behind this pulpit. And preach the word of God. It might not be a popular message. But it's a word that comes. Directly from the mouth of God. Amen. This is God's word. And I don't know how it is here. But back home. Instead of some folks seeing the pastor. Or the leadership of the church. As a blessing. Blessing. Uh, they resist, amen, uh, and they go away from what the man of God has to say. Uh, oh, maybe I'm preaching uh, uh, the wrong message uh, to the right church. Uh, maybe it's just my home church uh, that's like that. Uh, but you ought to thank God. Uh, you ought to bless God today uh, for the man of God uh, that God has sent uh, to this church. Bible says obey them that have the rule over you and submit yourselves for their watch for your souls that they that must give account that they might do it with joy and not with grief for that is unprofitable to you in essence what the writer here is saying is don't bite the hand that feeds you amen you see the man of God has been put there for your protection, to give you direction, to lead and guide you into the way that you ought to go uh, because it is not in man to direct uh, his own steps. Uh, brothers and sisters, uh, young people here today, uh, don't get offended when the pastor, uh, when he pulls you to one side uh, and he tells you that you're not living right for God. Uh, don't get mad when he stands behind the pulpit uh, and begins to preach the word of God uh, and the word of God begins to penetrate uh, and it starts to hurt. Uh, that's what the word of God is supposed to 
do. For the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. I'm telling you, the work of God, the word of the Lord has a work to do. It has its purpose. One day after a service, the pastor preached a message, a hell, fire, and brimstone kind of message. And the man came up to him after the service, and he said, Pastor, he said, you wounded me with your message today. The pastor shook his hand and said, I'm sorry, sir. I wasn't trying to wound you. I was trying to kill you. You see, Apostle Paul said, for he that is dead is freed from sin. Of course, Paul here was speaking of being dead to the world. You see, Paul didn't preach a no watered-down message. Amen. Paul preached a gospel message that disturbed people's way of living. Amen. If the preacher stands behind the pulpit and preaches, it's time to get right. Then you ought to get right. Amen. Don't get offended like a little sissy and run out the door and call somebody and say, Who does that man think he is? He's a man of God. God, uh, that God has put uh, in this place uh, for such uh, a time as this. I'm telling you. He's a man of God. And God has sent him with a word. Not for your neighbor. But for you. Amen. God has sent him for you tonight. Submit yourselves. For they watch for your soul. Be obedient. Appreciate. And be careful what you say about the man of God. For he is just a deliverer of God's word. You see what we preach is not what our philosophy is. We don't preach our own thoughts, our own uh, thinking, amen. What we preach uh, is the word of God. Uh, you might say, well, he's just a man, uh, but I beg to differ, amen. Uh, he's been anointed and separated by God uh, for this time, amen. Uh, we're living in a time here today, church, uh, that we've got some pastors, uh, some preachers, amen, uh, who have the title, uh, but they're afraid to preach uh, the word of God, amen. Uh, afraid to stand behind the pulpit. It, uh, and tell you like it is uh, they don't want to stir the waters uh, or go up against the rough uh, they want their church buildings amen uh, to grow and expand uh, and some of them uh, they're in million dollar building projects amen uh, and they're busting at their buildings amen uh, but they're not preaching uh, the truth of God's word uh, they've compromised uh, the doctrine of the gospel uh, and the doctrine of holiness uh, and the doctrine uh, of separation We're living in a time where the largest church in the United States of America is being pastored by a young man who doesn't believe in preaching against hell. In his own words, he said, I don't even like to deal with sin. What kind of man is that that will stand behind a pulpit? What kind of pastor or preacher is that? 
who's afraid to preach the word of God. The prophet Isaiah, if you read, amen, in the 56th chapter, the 10th verse, uh, the prophet Isaiah calls them dumb dogs. Uh, they can't even sound the alarm. Uh, when danger comes around, amen, uh, there's some dumb people, amen, uh, that are sitting in congregations, amen, uh, that go to a place uh, where they like their ears tickled, amen, uh, goo goo gaga. This is not romper room, amen, uh, the Bible says, uh, and from the days of John the Baptist uh, until now, uh, the kingdom of God suffers violence uh, and the violent uh, they take it by force the devil ain't playing no patty cake honey amen uh, he ain't out here amen uh, oh just uh, seeing who's in the house of God uh, there's some here uh, who've been talking about the pastor uh, talking about the leadership uh, talking about the men of God uh, you better watch out uh, because uh, the judgment of God uh, is going to come upon you I knew some of you would react like this. <laughs> I knew some of you, amen, wouldn't accept the message, amen. Uh, they didn't accept it in Jesus' day either, amen. Uh, but that's all right. Uh, we're going to preach the word of God. Uh, Pastor Perez, don't ever stop preaching, amen. Uh, preach it like God has given it to you. And if they want to listen, let them listen. Uh, if they don't want to, they can go to the church, to the next city, amen. Uh, but in this house, uh, there's a prophet in the house uh, that's going to preach the old adultery word of God. I feel an anointing in this house. I believe somebody's been shaken loose. Amen. Oh, I believe somebody's been delivered tonight in the name of Jesus. may be seated what is happening to this generation we become so passive that we get so offended so easy amen the preacher is not allowed to stand behind the pulpit and preach the word of God in some places the pastor's giving notes here pastor here's your lesson for today this is what we want to hear. Some places you go to, amen. Hey, let me tell you, if you preach what they don't want to hear, amen, they withhold the tithes and offerings, amen, uh, like they're doing you a favor, eh? You ain't doing God a favor. Uh, you ain't doing us a favor by holding back on God. Uh, you're bringing a curse upon your own life, amen. Uh, God's going to bring somebody else in to take your place. Uh, if you don't get with it uh, and back up the man of God uh, that God has called uh, for this day and this hour. Oh, 
Not afraid to preach the word of God. Not afraid to tell it the way it's supposed to be. Whatever happened to the preachers. Like John the Baptist. Who wasn't afraid to preach. Prepare the way of the Lord. Uh, make his way straight. Uh, old generation of vipers. Uh, repent. Uh, you snakes. Uh, you dirty rotten scoundrels. Uh, change from your wicked ways and repent. Uh, yeah, what happened to them preachers? Uh, like John the Baptist. Uh, that said uh, unless you are washed in the blood of Jesus. Uh, of the water and of the spirit. Uh, you're going to go to a devil's hell. Uh, what happened to the preachers? Uh, like John the Baptist. Where's the disciple Peter of today that'll stand behind the pulpit and preach the word? Save yourself from this untoward generation. Uh, come out from amongst them uh, and be ye separate. Uh, again, I say uh, you ought to thank God for the preacher man uh, that stands behind uh, this pulpit uh, to preach uh, the unadulterated word of God. Whatever happened to the prophets like Ezekiel who were so burdened down for the iniquity of Israel that he laid on his left side for 390 days. And another 40 days he laid on his right side for the house of Judah. Whatever happened to these burdened men uh, who when they heard from God uh, were obedient to his voice to proclaim his message. Uh, you see the word of the Lord came uh, to the prophet Ezekiel uh, and he said Ezekiel uh, stand upon your feet uh, and I'm going to speak to you he said. Uh, he said they're impudent uh, and they're stiff hearted uh, the children of Israel are. Uh, I got a message for you uh, that I want to take to my people. Uh, you see they're rebellious. Uh, amen they're stiff hearted and I don't even know if they'll listen to you amen but I want you to take them this message and I want you to tell them to repent and turn back to me the Lord said Ezekiel if they will heed to my word I will restore them back to me but if they do not, at least they will know that there has been a prophet in the house. I come to tell somebody here this afternoon uh, that God has sent a prophet to this house uh, and he's anointed him to lead you uh, into the land of promise. Uh, don't ever think for one minute uh, that you can make it without the man of God. Uh, you can't make it without him. Amen. Uh, you can't make it without the anointed shepherd uh, that God has called you. Uh, amen. To pastor over you. I've been pastoring for a little bit now. And I'm not foolishness, foolish enough to believe that everyone in my church loves me. I'm telling you, I know what I'm talking about. Not everyone loves me because of what I preach or what I stand for. But I made it perfectly clear that it was God that chose me. And I have been anointed to preach the word of God. 
And I can't change the word of God. And sometimes the word of God uh, is offensive. Amen. Uh, I really doubt it. Amen. Uh, but you might have one or two in the house here to say, uh, amen, that I don't like that preacher. Uh, I don't like that man. Uh, I don't like the pastor. Uh, I don't like the leadership uh, or the men that stand behind the pulpit. Uh, you better watch out. Uh, he's God's anointed. Uh, he's not just a man. Uh, he's been separated by God uh, for your spirit edification the Lord spoke to Moses and he told him take Aaron and take Aaron's sons from amongst the congregation of Israel so that they might minister unto me in the office of the priesthood they were anointed with oil, as the Bible says, brought before the congregation of Israel, and they ministered unto the Lord in the office of the priesthood. They were anointed like your pastor is anointed, like the ministers here in this church have been anointed, like the man of God that stands behind the pulpit and preaches the word of God. Uh, take Aaron and take his sons uh, and anoint them into the office of the priesthood uh, that they might minister unto me. Amen. Uh, the priesthood was to be anointed. Uh, you see the anointing uh, is very important. Uh, the Bible records uh, that when Aaron was anointed uh, into the priesthood, uh, the oil was poured uh, on the top of his head uh, and it ran down to his beard uh, and to the skirts of his feet. Uh, he was totally saturated with the anointing oil and we see that picture and we see that he was fully anointed by the man of God and sometimes we fail to realize that more importantly he was anointed and sanctioned by almighty God understand that your pastor and the ministry of this church have not only been anointed by the apostolic assembly of the faith, faith in Christ Jesus, but they've been anointed by God himself, amen, to preach the word of almighty God, amen. When we read the book of Psalms, we read the psalmist giving warning. He says, touch not mine anointed and do them no harm. When we read the 105th Psalm, we read about some of the anointed that the psalmist is, re is writing about. You read about a man by the name of Joseph that God sent who called famine to the land. And God sent famine just like he said. And yet his own brothers sold him into slavery. The same chapter speaks about how God sent Moses, his servant, whom God himself had chosen. The people saw the hand of God move upon Moses as he called for darkness. And the Bible says that God made it dark. 
They watched as God called or he called for Egypt's waters to be turned into blood. And so it was. The children of Israel saw the power of God move upon Moses as he called out the different plagues upon Egypt. And one would think that they would fear the man of God that he was a man. And yet they murmured against a man of God. The same man who stood in the presence of God and interceded for their deliverance. The Bible goes on to tell of the judgment of God that fell upon the people. The 12th chapter that come to a close this afternoon of the book of Numbers tells how Miriam and Aaron who were the brother and sister of Moses spoke against the man of God. Apparently Moses had taken an Ethiopian woman to be his wife. And they begin to talk about the man of God. And the Bible tells that the Lord called Moses. He called Miriam, he called Aaron. From out of the tabernacle, out from amongst the people. And he says unto them, Moses is my servant. I have spoken to him face to face. I've spoken to him mouth to mouth. But you were not afraid to speak against my servant Moses. The Bible says that the Lord was angered. And he departed from them. But that's not the end of their story. The Bible says that the Lord sent his judgment down. And Miriam became leprous quite as snow and when Aaron saw that Miriam was leprous he fell upon his face and he repented and cried unto God for his mercy he acknowledged his sin before God and he repented wholeheartedly but I want you to notice something here it was Moses that cried out unto the Lord and said, Heal her now, O God, I beseech thee. I beg you, heal her from her infirmity. I want you to know that it wasn't an immediate healing. The Bible says that Miriam was taken from the congregation. And she had to be separated from the rest of the people. She was taken to the lepers' camp. Until her healing came, it was a process. What's your point, preacher? Understand that Miriam's healing didn't come until the preacher man called out unto God and interceded on her behalf. God had mercy on her because of the preacher that fell on his face and said, God... Have mercy. God, won't you have mercy? Forgive her sin and heal her. How many times has your pastor interceded on your behalf? How many hours has he laid awake at night crying unto God for your soul? 
And yet you talk about the man of God. And you reap yourself away from the blessings of Almighty God. How often as he went to God on your behalf and cried unto God, forgive them, heal them, for they know not what they do. trying to move in the spirit of God right now. God is speaking to somebody. In this place, I really thought I preached, I was going to preach the wrong message. I said, give me another message, God. And I said, no, somebody needs to be delivered. If revival is going to come to my people, it's going to be through the pastor. It's going to be through the ministry of this church. It's going to come through obedience and submission to the man of God that God has placed in this place. If you'd only submit to the man of God, if you'd only submit, amen, to the ministry that God has put in this place tonight, you will see that God will begin to heal your home. God will bring your children back. God will restore your marriage. God will bring you back to the place that you need to be. That's what real revival is all about. Uh, it's not just about jumping uh, and shouting. Uh, anybody can jump. Uh, we told you about that yesterday. Uh, but it takes a man of God uh, to fall on his face uh, and repent uh, and make his peace with God uh, before revival can come uh, to a church uh, or to the heart uh, of an individual. For 120 years, God sent Noah to preach about the flood, to warn the people that the flood was coming. But the people didn't want anything to do with the message. 
that Noah was preaching. Instead, they talked about him. They mocked him. Made fun of him. But when the flood came, they weren't laughing anymore. You see, all of a sudden they came looking for the preacher man. But the preacher wasn't anywhere to be found. It was too late. And the entire world was destroyed because they refused to listen to the message of God that was sent through the preacher. I wish I could tell you that history never repeats itself. But we read about the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah. Lot was supposed to take the message of salvation to Sodom. But instead he got involved in the sin of the city. And because Sodom and Gomorrah didn't have a preacher, God sent down his fire upon the city. God allowed a preacher man to stand before him and intercede for that city. But the people didn't want to hear the preacher man. They were too involved in their sin. I can just imagine as Abraham went through the city looking for a few righteous individuals. Sir, I'm a preacher man. And destruction is coming. But God said if I could find just a few righteous, he would spare the city. But the people refused to listen. You say, preacher, you're preaching to the wrong crowd. You're preaching to the church of God. You see, the truth is that sometimes we take the preacher man for granted. And he becomes to us just another man. But I've got to remind you that he's been anointed and empowered by God to do a work. Peter was the first pastor of the New Testament church. We read to you about him in our scripture reading tonight. Jesus giving him full authority to exercise his pastoral position. Jesus told Peter, and I will give unto thee the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Here they are, Peter. Whatsoever you bind here on earth, I'm going to bind in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth, Peter, I'm going to loose in heaven. What Jesus was telling Peter was, what I've already come to establish, you cannot change. You cannot change the doctrine. You cannot change what I've already come to establish. But Peter, I give you full authority over my people. And whatever you bind here on earth, I'm going to bind it up in heaven. What are you saying, preacher? I'm telling you, whatever your pastor tells you, without changing the doctrine becomes the doctrine of Jesus Christ. If your pastor tells you you're not living right, you better start living right. Amen. Uh, if your pastor tells you you can't do this, you better not do that. Amen. Uh, he's a man of God uh, that God has given full authority over. What a terrible responsibility we have as pastors. 
heard a message that I gave to every one of my preachers, my local ministers in my church, entitled The Echoes of My Sermon. The preacher spoke about the Word of God, how when it comes out from the mouth of the man of God, the Bible says, My word shall not return void. It will go out through the annals of time and reverberate until it accomplishes its work. In other words, with the preacher, when he opens his mouth and preaches the word of God and what he says, if he calls you into the office and says, Brother, I see this and this. You need to do this and that. The Bible records it. History records it. And what he says will go down through the annals of time until it comes to pass. I've seen the man of God on various occasions talk to people and say, you're not living right, young man. Unless you change, you're going to die. He didn't change. And just as sure as the pastor said, the preacher said, within weeks, within days, that man laid in a coffin burning in a devil's hell. You see, your salvation comes through the man of God. Your victory is going to come, church. It's not going to come through an evangelist, amen. Uh, I'm here today, amen. Uh, I'm gone tomorrow. Uh, I can come here and I can preach up a mess, amen. Uh, and cause everybody to fight up against each other. Uh, and I'm gone. Uh, but the pastor, amen, uh, he's got to stay here and deal with the folk. Uh, he got to deal with some of you, amen, uh, that don't want to listen to the word of God. Uh, that don't want to be obedient. Uh, but I come to tell you uh, when I'm gone, uh, if you want revival to tarry, uh, it's going to come uh, through the obedience uh, of the man of God that's how powerful the man of God is but pastors preachers we're not supermen get hurt we get burdened down with the church that we have been called to pastor Elijah felt the pressure of his ministry he felt like giving up so he goes and he sits under a juniper tree ready to call it quits as a matter of fact he requested from God to die but he falls asleep. He was strengthened, the Bible says, by an angel of God. You see, when you're anointed of God, God will sustain you. But I'm trying to tell you that sometimes we get tired and we get weary. I know where you're at, Brother Steve. Sometimes I go to bed at night. I fight with my pillow all night I can't sleep I can't do nothing I can't think my heart aches, my heart is broken because I'm thinking of that wayward individual or that one individual I'm trying to reach out to and they simply just walk away I know how it is to just throw up your hands and say I give up 
tired of doing this. I feel like Jonah. I feel like going the other way. I know what it's like. But I've got to remind myself that without a pastor, without a preacher, where would the congregation be? Where would we be? A pastor is different than an evangelist. An evangelist can come and preach. A minister can come behind the pulpit, amen, and be burdened to preach a message. And when he's done preaching the word of God, his burden is lifted. But the pastor, he lives with the burden night and day. It never leaves him. He dreams it. He sleeps with it. It affects him. We need the man of God in this place. I'm going to ask you to stand with me this afternoon. I don't want to feel like I'm out of line and I don't do things, but I want Pastor Steve Perez and his wife and family to come forward and stand before us. I feel so impressed, and I didn't plan on doing this. But I want Brother Steve Perez to come forward with his family. God has given us a tremendous gift. The Bible says he's given as a gift to the church the fivefold ministry. I believe the greatest is being a pastor. And before you hear this congregation is the man of God that God has sent with his family. Now as I look at his family, and I say this with all respect, his family is not perfect. In my church, I sat a lady down and I said, you know what? You're not living right. She said, well, you have no right telling me that, Pastor. Your daughter is doing this and doing that. I said, I know. I'm dealing with my daughter. You see, just because we're pastors, it doesn't mean our children are perfect. We need to pray for our children because the enemy's out to destroy them. He wants to take them out. But I believe this afternoon as we stand before here, we can pray a hedge of protection around the pastor and his family to give him strength. And this afternoon, amen, I want you to come forward and come around the first family here this afternoon, amen. And I want you to begin to pray, amen, that God encourage them and give you a love for the family that God has brought to this place here this afternoon. And if there is some strife between you, you need to get a hold of the man of God and say, Pastor, I'm sorry. I'm sorry I've ever doubted you. I still and behind you. Come on. Hariyama kayaraboyara vasayaramai. This is true revival. This is what revival is all about. There's a restoration taking place. 
salvation is happening right now in this place.
your anointing in this place. Send your anointing. Oh, we need you, Jesus. In this place. Send your anointing. Send your anointing. Right now in this place. 